Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Welcome to the third and final week of our series called Unchanging. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for what you're already doing as we've gathered together in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that there are some things that change, but there are some things that never change, that are eternal. God, I ask that you would open up the deeper parts where beliefs are held and renew the mind of our inner being with truth. Would you establish what we believe deep within to match your kingdom? Would you take the written word and change it to the revealed word and plant it within to become the living word? We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Nick was born in a Christian home, but when, he was, but when he was born, his parents were shocked because when they first saw Nick, he was born with no arms and no legs. Perhaps you know him. His name is Nick Vujicic. I can only imagine the turmoil that his parents felt when they first saw him and their, their prayers, their plea, their call for help. Later in life, Nick grew up and went through depression, and he didn't want to live anymore. And who could blame him? Sometimes our problems are overwhelming, and we feel hopeless. By the grace of God, there was a time when Nick began to think, God, if there is a purpose for me, I want to know. And he began to thank God for his life and began to seek to honor God. And that was a turning point that would eventually open doors that he could have never imagined. Nick began to speak publicly about his struggles and how his relationship with God made all the difference. He began to encourage people in their struggles and to let them know that God loves them and that he has a beautiful plan for their lives. He never imagined that the videos about his testimony would go viral. 60 Minutes did a documentary about his life. He's a powerful example of what can happen when we honor God. This is Nick. This picture was taken December 5th, just last year, just before Christmas. Yes, he got married (laughs) and has four kids. Judging by the picture there, it looks like the two youngest ones are twins. Amazing, and this is what he wrote on Facebook. He said, my, thir- my 36th today, so thankful to God for another year of life, get this, filled with blessings and love. Wow, a guy born with no arms and no legs made that statement. He said, thank you for ongoing prayers for me and my family and the ministry. I shared this story about Nick to encourage you. Our lives are not determined by what happens to us. Our lives are determined by how we respond to what happens to us. And if you develop a thankful heart and trust that God has a higher purpose no matter what is happening, 
And if you will follow him in his ways, you will be amazed. You will be amazed. God has a promise for you. He has a promise for you. And this promise is an ancient promise revealed in the book of Genesis. I'll read it for you. Genesis 22, 18. Through your descendants, all nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. As most of you know, that promise was originally made to Abraham and his descendants, who were Isaac and then Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons. And those 12 sons became the nation of Israel. Jesus, the Messiah, came through the nation of Israel. And after establishing forgiveness on the earth, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to transform those who received him to create a new humanity. A new humanity is the church. By the church, I don't mean a man-made organization or religion, but the church as in the people of God who have been renewed and regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And through this renewed humanity, God is blessing all the nations of the earth. Today, the promise of Abraham, whether you realize it or not, the promise of Abraham is being fulfilled through you. If I can say this another way, the same promise that was made to Abraham, that is, the promise to bless you and through you to bless others, is being fulfilled when you follow Jesus. And that's an amazing promise. Amazing. Unfortunately, there's a very real enemy who is very deceiving. And he wants you to think that God is not good. And there is no such promise for you. There is none. We all go through struggles like Nick Vujicic. Not just physical problems. Relational problems. Financial problems health problems, and the enemy wants you to think that God is not for you. He wants you to think God disapproves of you. God is not mindful of your situation, and so you are alone. These are lies. The Bible says God values you so much that he gave what was most valuable to him so that you could have the most valuable gift ever. When we don't know the truth of who God is, we end up relying on self. We end up relying on self-effort to try and make things work. We rely on self to, to do life. And there's a very good example of this in the lives of Isaac and Rebekah and their two sons, Esau and Jacob. It's found in Genesis 27. I want to read the context. If you recall, Rebecca had twins. And as the babies developed within her, of course, at first she didn't know she had twins, but the boys literally were fighting inside her womb. They were wrestling with each other. And she was, what is going on? <laughs> and so she prayed. She said, God, what's happening inside me? And the Lord spoke to her and said, there are two nations at war within you. And the older will serve the younger. If you've ever wondered about tensions in the Middle East, 
This is where it started, according to the revealed word of God. Fast forward, when these boys are older, we pick up the story in Genesis 27, beginning in verse 1. One day, when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his older son, and said, My son, yes, father, Esau replied, I am old, I am an old man now, Isaac said, and I don't know when I may die. Take your bow and quiver full of arrows and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat. And then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. Now keep in mind, Rebecca had received a word from God that the older would actually serve the younger. And Paul later in the New Testament gives commentary about who are the people of Israel. And he talks about being chosen. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. But he said it's not enough just to be a physical descendant of Abraham. But the nation of Israel was actually formed from Jacob's 12 sons, not Esau, who was the oldest. And so Paul is talking about the idea that God has chosen the lineage through which eventually the Messiah would come. So keep that in mind. Rebecca, knowing that she heard from the Lord about her two sons, she said, she overheard what Isaac said. Remember now, these, in those days they lived in tents. And Isaac is old. He's probably hard of hearing, and so they've had to notch it up a few decibels in order to communicate nowadays. Not, no secrets are, are there. So she heard what's going on. And she said, Isaac had said to his son Esau, she heard what he said. So when Esau left to hunt for the wild game, she said to her son Jacob, listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, bring me some wild game and prepare a delicious meal. And then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Go out to the flocks and bring me two fine young goats, and I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take the food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. So while Esau is out hunting for game to feed his father so his father can bless him, she goes to the younger son. She says, quick, go get some goats. I'll prepare a meal. You go in and feed it to him so he can give you the blessing. Esau said, my brother, uh, Jacob said, my brother Esau is a hairy man and my skin is smooth. What if my father touches me? He'll see that I'm trying to trick him and then he'll curse me instead of blessing me. But his mother replied, then let the curse fall on me, my son. Just do what I tell you and go out and get the goats for me. So Jacob went out and got the young goats for his mother, Rebekah, took them and prepared a delicious meal just the way Isaac liked it. Then she took Esau's favorite clothes. You know, back in those days, they didn't have washer and dryer. Okay, so your clothes really got to smell like you. So she took Esau's favorite clothes, put them on Jacob, and gave them to her younger son, and she covered his arms and the smooth part of his neck with skin of the young goats. And then she gave Jacob the delicious meal, including freshly baked bread. 
Rebecca, the Lord had already, uh, I mentioned earlier, the Lord had already spoken to Rebecca, and she's now trying to, in her own effort, accomplish what God had said. And so earlier, as I said, if we don't know who God is, we sang that earlier today. He is bigger than I thought. I thought that was an excellent message. He's bigger than we think. When we don't know that, we will try to trust in our own effort to accomplish the things that we think God wants us to do. So Jacob took the food to his father, and he said, My father, and Isaac said, Yes, my son. Who are you, Esau or Jacob? And Jacob replied, It's Esau, your firstborn son. I've done as you told me. Here is the wild game. Now sit up and eat so you can give me your blessing. But Isaac asked, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God put it in my path, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come closer so I can touch you and make sure that you really are Esau. So he's got questions because the voice is not matching up. So Jacob went closer to his father, and Isaac touched him. The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau's, Isaac said. But he did not recognize Jacob because Jacob's hands, Jacob's hands felt hairy, just like Esau's. So, Esau. so Isaac prepared to bless Jacob. But are you really my son, Esau? He asked. Yes, I am, Jacob replied. And then Isaac said, now, my son, bring me the wild game and let me eat, and then I will give you my blessing. So far, Jacob has already lied three times. He walks in. He says, I'm Esau. His dad says, how did you catch the game so soon? He said, the Lord put the animal in my path. That's lie number two. Later, his dad is like, are you sure you're Esau? And he lies again and goes, yes, I am. Number three. Normally, three strikes and you're out. You know, it's interesting. Jacob really wasn't afraid of lying. His problem was he was afraid he couldn't pull it off. And he thought his dad would find out and then later would be cursed instead of blessed. So Jacob took the food to his father and Isaac ate it. He also drank the wine that Jacob served him. And then Isaac said to Jacob, please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. So Jacob went over and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced, and he blessed him. He blessed his son. He said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, which the Lord has blessed. From the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvests of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants, and may they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers, and may your mother's Son, bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed, and all who bless you will be blessed. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and almost before Jacob had left his father, Esau returned from his hunt. Esau prepared a delicious meal and brought it to his father. And then he said, sit up, my father, and eat the wild game, so you may give me your blessing. But Isaac replied, who are you? Esau replied, it's your son, your firstborn son, Esau. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and said, Then who just served me wild game? I have already eaten it, and I blessed him just before you came. And yes, that blessing must stand. When Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud and bitter cry. 
Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me, too, he begged. But Isaac said, your brother was here, and he tricked me. He has taken away your blessing, Esau exclaimed. No wonder his name is Jacob, for he has cheated me twice. First he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessing. Oh, haven't you even one blessing from me? Isaac said to Esau, I have made Jacob your master and have declared that all his brothers will be his servants. I have guaranteed him in abundance an abundance of grain and wine. What is left for me to give you, my son? Esau pleaded, but do you have only one blessing? Oh, my father, bless me too. And then Esau broke down and wept. Finally, his father Isaac said to him, you will live away from the richness of the earth and away from the dew of the heaven above. You will live by your sword, and you will serve your brother. But when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. From that time on, Esau hated Jacob, because their father had given Jacob the blessing, and Esau began to scheme. I will soon be mourning my father's death, and then I will kill my brother Jacob. But Rebekah heard about Esau's plans. So she sent for Jacob and told him, Listen, Esau is consoling himself by plotting to kill you. So, listen carefully, my son. Get ready and flee to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay there with him until your brother cools off. When he calms down and forgets what you have done to him, I will send for you to come back. Why should I lose both of you in one day? In this passage, we see a very dysfunctional family. There's fighting. They've been fighting since they were in the womb. There's lying, deception, stealing, even conspiracy between mother and son, and lastly, murderous thoughts. It is bad. If I could summarize all of this in one phrase, this is an Old Testament version of low-tech identity theft. You know, it's very prominent nowadays. We're concerned about fraud in the digital world. But it's nothing new. Even in the digital world, oftentimes when they analyze cases of fraud, oftentimes it's by friends or family members because they have greater access to the private and personal information that nobody else knows. They can answer all those questions that the bank asks you when you call in and they want to verify your identity. I know one guy, he was a victim of fraud and identity theft. He called the bank. He had them close down the account. Later on, there was more theft on the same account. He called them up. He said, what happened? I told you guys to close the account. They said, yeah, but you called us back and you told us to open it. Somebody knew him well. This is an Old Testament example of low-tech identity theft. And the reason I highlight their problems is to help us see that despite all the brokenness in this family, God was at work. We know from history that God fulfilled his promise. Jacob had 12 sons, and he became the nation of Israel. And Jesus, the Messiah, came from the nation of Israel, and through Jesus, all nations on the earth are blessed. This is called the providence of God. Despite the family dynamics, 
God intervened and made an amazing declaration to Abraham and his descendants. He said, I will bless you, and through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Providence is the protective care of God. Providence is the foreseeing care and guidance of God as he directs the universe and the affairs of mankind with wise benevolence. Now, this idea of providence should create some question in your mind. If that's true, how does life really work? Steve Merle put it this way. He said, um, if you're not confused, you're not paying attention. (laughs) When it comes to providence, what is the relationship between God's sovereignty and man's free will? There's this tension between our weakness, our shortcoming, our, our disobedience, and yet God's faithfulness. Which one is it? Which one is in control? The Bible reveals both points of view are at play. In our human logic, we think that we have to choose one or the other, but the Bible is not asking us to pick and choose what makes sense. A preacher once said, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. And then a very wise church member came up to him afterwards and she said, preacher, do I have to believe it in order for it to be true? That's a really good question. The Bible says both exist, God's sovereignty and man's free will, whether we understand it or not. We can't wrap our minds around how they can both operate at the same time. And yet the Bible reveals that they do. We are to love God and love people by obeying him. And yet, at the same time, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Which one is it? Some things are a mystery on this side of eternity. You can be assured of this. As you do your best to walk with God, the providence of God will enable you to experience his promise. It's like this. Gravity is absolute. It doesn't matter if you understand it or believe it. We're all affected by it. Nevertheless, the law of aerodynamics will allow you to overcome the law of gravity. Well, in the same way, the law of sowing and reaping is absolute. There are consequences for bad choices. We're all affected by them. But the good news is this. The law of God's grace will allow you to overcome consequences. If you're in the jet called Jesus Christ, and if you continually choose to honor him, your choice plus the providence of God will enable you to experience the promise of God. His promise is this. He will bless you, and he will bless others through you. There is a promise, and despite our problems, the providence of God will demonstrate his faithfulness to you because the faithfulness of God is unchanging.
Let's pray. Father, your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. Lord, we are amazed that you have created us and made us. We are here now thinking and being. And you've given us the ability to choose. And yet at the same time, you are sovereign overseeing our lives and you have made this amazing promise to bless us through your son Jesus and yet we struggle in this life with all the demands and the challenges and the fears and the unknown and God sometimes we wonder what the future holds and it's in moments like these God that we take comfort in the fact that you love us and that you are all-powerful and all-knowing. And so, God, in this tension between us and you, God, we are asking that you accomplish your purpose, Lord, that you reveal yourself and work your ways in us and through us if you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to ask you to take some time to ask the Lord, what does that look like for you? What is it that the Lord is saying to you? What steps is he inviting you to take in your life? And take a moment to listen just by turning the eyes of your heart toward him. to watch and listen to see however God reveals this to you. And if you sense that the Lord is showing you area that he's speaking to you about. I want to give you a moment just to respond to him. I'm going to take some time to do some business with God. another group that is here today 
as you're listening to me talk about having a relationship with God. That's something that's been on your mind. It's been on your heart recently. You sense that God's been trying to get your attention. And so as a result, you are kind of waking up to the idea of God's presence and you're searching and wanting to know. And if that describes you and you've never made a conscious choice to open up your life and say, yes, God, I I want to experience you. If you've never made a formal choice to do that, I want to give you a chance today. And the most important thing is just that you make the decision. And then we express that to God in prayer. The way we'll do that is I'll pray and you can follow along. God will hear you. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you that you've been getting my attention recently. And I'm here today because I'm responding. And today I'm making a choice to open up to you because I want to experience you. I would like to experience a relationship with you. And so as I open my life, I ask you to come in. I ask your spirit of love and forgiveness to come into my life because there are things I've done that I'm not proud about. And I ask you to forgive me for ways I've hurt myself or others. And most of all, my relationship with you. If you're praying this prayer right now, I want you to take a moment to receive God's spirit of love and forgiveness into your life. He's been waiting for this moment to have this relationship with you. Father, I thank you for coming into my life. I ask that you would show yourself to me and make me the kind of person you want me to be. And I ask these things in Jesus' name.